superpowers on the Super Power Up Podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpower Show. I'm your host, Tatiana Berendei, and today we are going to be discussing rebuilding intimacy and trust in a relationship with Jane Gwynn. I'm really excited to have her on the show today. Jane has a doctorate in human sexuality from the Institute for Advanced Study of Human Sexuality in San Francisco. She's also the author of the Amazon number one bestseller, Too Busy to Get Busy. Women hire her so that they can have the delicious and juicy intimate relationship they've secretly desired all their lives. And as someone who's been married for over 30 years, Dr. Jane understands the challenges. She also has six kids, which I think in and of itself is a superpower. So I just want to say welcome to the show, Jane Gwen. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, it's just de- delightful to be here with you, Tatiana. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so happy to have you. So I'm going to go ahead and start off with our, our number one question here. And I'm going to ask you, Jane, what are your superpowers? Well, I have thought a lot about this question over the years because I think it's so important when we really know what our superpowers are. Because when we do know that, we can show up authentically and, and in a, a place of confidence and just ready to serve others. So my superpowers are... Um, the ability to help others feel seen and loved and heard. Mm, That is such a beautiful and really important superpower. I would love to hear more about how you apply that in your work. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, Well, because I work in the area of intimacy with women and with their partners, this is just huge to be able to feel like you're actually being seen, that the concerns that you have are being heard, and that ultimately you're being loved. That is, that is what we all long for. And, and I create that space for women and allow them to speak their truth because, you know, it's kind of scary out there when some of our stuff is really, you know, it involves a lot of pain. It a lot, involves a lot of, oh, energies from our life, from the past experiences, previous lovers, what we've absorbed from the media, Hollywood, and, you know, perhaps religious institutions around us. And sometimes we don't feel like we can show up authentically. Mm -hmm. So I I help women kind of speak their truth in a safe space. Mm, That is so beautiful and so needed right now. Um, Is that, that's mostly when you work with individuals one-on-one, yeah? Well, you know, um, yeah, it, it is in a space of individual work in person sometimes, um, sometimes virtually, but I also do that for groups of women because I find that when we can be surrounded in um, a group of women with a group of women who are also moving through this stuff, it, is, um, it allows us to release the sense of being alone. And a lot of our our difficulties really are from that feeling that we're the only, like I'm the only one who's experienced sexual assault or harassment. I'm the only one who has had uh, these difficult sexual experiences or have been impacted negatively by the media or the way I see my body in perspective to, you know, the fabulously uh, beautiful and air shopped, uh, photoshopped um, 
women on in the media and and that and that's actually a lie i tell myself because you know we yeah. ha, we are all living in this container yeah yeah absolutely and that's i'm so glad that you mentioned about working with women in groups because i have also i also work with women in groups and i find it to be there's something really magical that happens when women gather in sacred space together there's um it's unlike anything else and there is a safety and there is a there is a way that we can sort of let our guard down and just be real with one another and i mean this conversation is so relevant right now with all of the me too stuff that's sort of exploding on facebook um i would love to hear you know what are, what's your what's your take on everything that's that's taking place right now and and where we're headed collectively in that way yeah so the hashtag me too um experience of being on facebook and watching friend after friend after friend daughter after daughter um so many of us have been impacted by sexual harassment and assault in our in my community and i know this is happening just each of us open up our facebook page and see this feed of me too me too me too and it's it's both um horrifying and also really liberating to realize that we're not alone so i i see it as a really positive thing that we're starting to bring forward this shared experience and create uh, a safe space and, and courage. Uh, and, you know, some of us have had life-altering, you know, incredibly dangerous, incredibly violent uh, Me Too experiences. And others of us have had Me Too experiences that are not in that same um, place of violence but still impact us greatly. So I, I think that the container of space that we're creating um, is really important to realize that if, that it, we're all here together and, and you're not alone if you've had a Me Too experience. In fact, you're you're probably um, less less you're probably less like your peers if you haven't had one. I mean, there's so few people who share that. Like, you know, actually, I haven't had it. I'm really grateful, but I hold space for you and for your healing. And that's, that's a really interesting realization. Yeah, I think that's one of the really powerful things that has come out of this whole experience. Um, and I was asking myself that, you know, is there, is there a woman out there who's going to raise their hand and say, actually, I haven't had this experience? Um, so I am, I'm really curious how you find this, um, this theme of, of, of sexual harassment, maybe previous sexual abuse or, or violence or violation, how you see that entering into relationships, um, intimate relationships, intimate partnerships, and how that affects um, specifically a woman's ability to be present during, during sexual interaction. Yeah, well, that's um, where... My, when when we when we work together, that's where we start. Is look at your life, look at the walk that you've had with sexuality in intimate physical relationships and in other you know, sexually charged situations, and how have those experiences informed you until this moment right now? How are they still with you uh, in your relationship today? Because we bring all of this with us. It's you know 
we, we armor ourselves based on what we've experienced. And when we want to show up, you know, uh, unarmored, raw, present, connected, it's tough. It's tough when, you know, you got like all these other people in the bed with you. You, know, you got your current partner, then the guy who said you had big thighs, somebody who put you down because, you know, he thought you didn't like something about your breasts. Every comment that you've somehow taken on to yourself. And, you know, we don't have to absorb these things. And perhaps they weren't even, maybe we even heard them wrong. Maybe we heard them through our own ears of um, a filter of inadequacy or a filter of self-judgment. So we don't even know what came into us, really. We only know what we absorbed. And so all those things are there in the bed. And, um, and how do we get naked? How do, we, how do we remove all of this psychological, energetic, and um, personal armor so that we can really connect with ourselves and our deepest, authentic, erotic selves and a partner? How do we do that? when we you know, show up with all this stuff, you know, how do we remove that? That's the question that we work through at the beginning of a process when I'm working with a woman. Um, that's, that's where we start. And that is, that is the starting point. And that is such, that's the question right now, I think, in, that we need to be asking ourselves. And I'm really wanting to dive deeper into that with you, if that's okay, after the break. Um, we are going to take a quick break. I want to give you an opportunity for people to let, um, just for you to let people know how they can find out more about you and your work. Oh, oh wonderful. So um, you can find me at my website. It's www.janegwyn.com. And my last name is G-U-Y-N. So J-A-N-E-G-U-Y-N.com. And if you're interested, um, I don't know if this is a good time to give people the email, yep. uh, excuse me, the text, the number to get the uh, a, a downloadable copy of my book. I'd love to give that yes, to absolutely. all of our give listeners. It now. Give it now. Okay. So please send your email and your, your name and your email to 541-444-0112. And I would be delighted and honored to send you a downloadable copy of my book, which is called Too Busy to Get Busy. And as we know, Tatiana, it's really not about busy, is it? That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah we keep it's ourselves busy. busy so we don't have to feel what's under there. Yeah. Um, so we've been talking with Jane exactly. Wynn about rebuilding intimacy and trust in a relationship. We're going to just take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to dive deeper into, into how we really tap into that self that's underneath all of, all of the stuff we've absorbed. So stay tuned. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer -peer learning, intensive one-on-one -on -one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the Net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support 
supports you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the superpower net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. Okay, and we're back. Um, again, I'm here with Jane Gwynn. We're talking about rebuilding intimacy and trust in a relationship. So Jane, you were mentioning that at the beginning of your work with a woman, you really start, you start with, okay, let's look at your life. Let's look at everything that you've absorbed. I would love to hear a little bit more about, about, you know, what that process is and how, how you take somebody from totally shut down, totally living in all of these alternate experiences at the same time to present moment awareness to like here now in this body with this individual. What is, what does some of that work look like? Yeah. So um, my training is as a professional sex coach, which is a fantastic training. I also have a PhD in human sexuality. So I have a lot of content and uh, process information about sex specifically. But what I do when we start working together is really energy work. So um, I'm trained as a core energy coach. And so what a lot of us get stuck in um, in my training modality, it's in the level one and level two uh, energy space, and that is considered below the line, uh, and it draws, it kind of sucks energy out of us. When we get above the line, level three, uh, which is a forgiveness place, a lot of our, our um, sense of stuckness and starts to flow a little bit. It's almost like removing logs in the log jam, and you can kind of, even though it's a bit bumpy sometimes, things are moving. So when we are in level one and level two, uh, level one being like a why me uh, level and level two being a damn you level. So actually a higher energetic level to be mad at somebody than it is to just feel victimized. That's right. So, so when we, we, we try together, what we accomplish is this sense of, of moving up over the line and um, it's a process of clearing all those memories and um, kind of bringing them up. Like, what's there? What? Who's in the bed with you? And what are all these experiences? How can you release them? And you know, we work on some of it is uh, conversational, um, sharing. There are often tears. We'll do exercises to release sometimes um, things where we're just um, shedding, shedding the em- the memories, and you know, pushing them away physically from from our bodies, and even yelling. I was working with someone recently where, you know, she just, um, you know, was like, you know, get out, and pushing these memories away, all of these thoughts that she had, negative self talk that came from a lot of things she had absorbed, just getting them out of her energetic field and removing them from who she was, physically with her hands. Yeah, uh, what I, I think do sound, is, oh, is sorry. Um, I was just gonna say I think sound is like really powerful and important in that process too. A lot of women I found are afraid to make sound, um, and some of that is I, I don't know if, if you have found this as well, but I've seen it. There's like this stuckness that happens, this freezing. If we've had some kind of traumatic experience, a lot of us sh- we 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 navigate that by shutting down and freezing and, and that sound and that movement that you were saying this woman is making can be such a, 
integral part of the process of releasing it and moving it through the body. Yeah, I so agree with you. Yeah, because our, our voice is, you know, we've been silenced. And so using yeah. our voice to get get the F out is what we were doing together, this woman and I the other day, you know, just these thoughts, just like get out, get out and just pushing them away, just forcefully pushing them away. So if this is you and you're listening to us talk right now and some of this stuff is showing up for you and you're being triggered by all these me too's on Facebook and you're remembering like I am and so many of us are, and maybe you didn't have your voice in that moment because, you know, it wasn't there for you. You still ha you have it now. And you can um, speak it now and, and, and just tell that, that memory, that person, whatever it is, however it's showing up for you, you can tell it to get the F out. Just get out. And there's a huge clearing that can happen when, when you do that because the hidingness of it is uh, not serving us. It's not serving us. We think it does because at the time it was a good idea, right? It seemed good at that at the time. Like, oh, yeah. darn. It's you what know, kept that was us safe, cool. right? It's, it, some of us, it's like, yeah. especially right. depending right. on the severity of, of the issue, like you had to keep, keep silent to, to be safe. It's a survival mechanism. Um, one of the things yeah. I work on with my clients and I've done a lot of work on with myself too is those those places, you know, giving gratitude and appreciating the, the places that have kept us safe and yet also communicating with them that that's not, you know, having awareness, that's not how we were wanting to operate anymore. And so thanking it for the, the role that it served and then releasing it in that process. Yeah, totally. That is so right. Because we, for, I'll, I'll share a personal experience if I could about this. Of Absolutely. Absolutely. Please do. So I was, I started out my life, uh, my professional life as a, a UCLA student. I became a nursing student and I graduated from that really fabulous school as a nurse. And I ended up uh, going into um, my, one of my first jobs was working in a coronary care unit, an open heart unit in um, Southern California. And I, I was a, you know, young, beautiful woman in my early 20s, so maybe 23, 24 years old. Um, and I was working in this one case and this young man, a relatively young man, 53 year old fellow, ended up needing open heart surgery, which was really shocking to the, the, the group there that, that this guy was going to have surgery. And as it turned out, he had a horrible reaction and he had a, a cardiac arrest after the surgery. It was really upsetting for everybody on that unit. And, and I was responding to this code. The, the man was, and he did die. So we were in there trying to save this man's life, you know, hanging IV drips, just as like you've seen on Grey's Anatomy. Um, just, you know, the same thing you've seen all those times if you've watched any kind of medical dramas. So there I was doing my job, wearing scrubs and, you know, working really hard. And the cardiologist with the cardiac surgeon actually groped me from behind. It was, you oh know, God. right in my, you know, buttocks and down underneath in that setting. And I was just stunned, um, really, you know, but I'll tell you what, I didn't say a thing. <laughs> I didn't show it. I just kept working. I never said anything. I never called him out. I didn't call HR. I did nothing. Now, this is a long time ago. Um, I graduated in 1980, so it's ages ago. And, you know, 
before Anita Hill, I think, even. even. Uh, yeah. But it was, you know, when I think about that, that's one of my get outs that I, um, you know, that I'm clearing. Wow. Yeah, that's, that is, it's amazing to hear some of these stories. And I always go into this space of like, what, what was happening inside of him in that mm -hmm. moment to, to do that? Um, of course, we can't answer that. He's not here to ask, but that's like, it's, uh, it's just kind of mind boggling to, to sit with. Mm -hmm. How, how that, you know, is that like his stress response? Like what, I don't understand how, how some of these things take place and what is going on inside of the other person who is, who's acting in these ways. Um, but it's definitely, it's a question that I ask myself because when, when we're on the receiving end of something like that, I mean, that's, it's horrifying, you know, and it's, and no one mm -hmm. should ever, no one should ever have to be on the receiving end of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know what's even more horrifying in my mind is the way that I and all of my circle of friends, including my mom and everybody else, the way we reacted was like, mm -hmm. you can't, you know, I, I told my people, my mom, and my friends, mm -hmm. um, and we all laughed about it. Like, can you believe it? It was like, like, almost like the guy, it, we, it was almost the sense that he was he was creepy and that was gross but it was almost like a laughable and in retrospect that's just so wrong that i was not empowered enough to be able to say well so many things in that space but what it did is it took away my power in the space and made me less comfortable there and i i ended up leaving that profession actually not specifically yeah. because of that but it just wasn't an empowering space for me and i ended up not being there anymore and i think that a lot of us are knocked off our game because of some of these things and it totally. could be in an yeah it's an, an intimate relationship it could be a work thing but we can't, you know, we're, we're kind of like thrown off like that. And then we don't know how to kind of get the, get the juicy, wonderful, sexy part of our life back. Right. How because, do you, you know, your center after something like that? Totally. Yeah. So what has, so we're what doing has your that. process been with that? You know, how have you been able to reclaim that, that part of yourself after having an experience like that? Um, well, you know, I think that, there, you know, I'm like everyone else that I work with, all my clients, we're working, we're, we're unlayering and, and taking things, you know, kind of removing gradually, um, kind of chipping away. And, and this story actually was not at the forefront of my thoughts. It just kind of, I kind of chipped down toward it and it was like, oh man, I remember that. That's just, you know, that was just not right. What been, what about my sense of empowerment in that space? So it's, it's been a gradual removal and then sometimes big pieces will come off and I'll get a lot more clarity. But, um, and I, I do think that we can um, make big shifts uh, when we are intentional and when we get support because uh, it's, it's a little, you know, it's doable alone, but I've always really uh, believed that having support or coaches or others to, to help us make these bigger shifts is really a valuable thing <clears throat> I, me, um, I agree to, to help us. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think it's, you know, we can't do some of this work alone. We can't, there's, there's only so much that we can do in our own little vacuum. And then there comes a point where we can't see beyond to what the next step is. And that's where having somebody who is like yourself, who's, you know, further down the road with it and, and has this, this education and this, this experience and this, all of this under, under your belt to be able to hold space for somebody then to turn around and say, look, this is the next step. This is where we go from here. That's really what I, what I have found working with someone else serves, you know, so we, we don't know what the next step is, but someone else might have a little bit more of a vantage point to help us in that way. Yeah, I agree with that completely. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, when we talk about rebuilding intimacy and trust in a relationship, um, you know, when your experience with working with women and with working with couples, like what's happening on the man's side of things? Well, um, there's a lot of sense of being rejected by women for men and a sense of not having a voice and not being heard. I and mean, it's, it's actually, it's very interesting. It, we're living in the same container. Uh, we have... We occupy often different parts of that container, but we are together there. So the feeling of being desirous as a man and yet having a partner, if it's a woman, who uh, is like not open to receiving you literally and figuratively, who is perhaps even looks like she's repelled by you. That is so painful. And they're showing up over and over again with this openness and willingness to uh, connect, physically connect and, and personally connect. And the woman, in many cases, is saying, you know, I don't want to receive you. And that, you know, she has, we have really good reasons for that. But he feels really hurt. The word that came up in, um, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a survey that I did recently was soul crushing. Mm-hmm. And that when, when, when we're rejected, this is the experience. It's like soul crushing. And you know, I've got to tell you, Tatiana, I didn't include that, those words as an option. It wasn't a list, a drop down that you could select one. Huh. They, the people who respondents to this survey chose that word on their own over yeah. and over again. Mm. I think it's um, it's so the reason why I, I bring that perspective in is because I think you know when we're when we're in the midst of our own healing, it can be really hard to see how we are impacting other people in that process, and and I have found there's something really powerful that's that actually can be a part of our own healing process when we lift our heads up and we look at how we're affecting those around us. Have you seen that with your clients as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that when, when, if it's a man and woman in a relationship, when she sees him and looks and hears really what he's experienced um, all these years, you know, really being there, present, vulnerable, asking for connection, asking to be touched, and she realizes that when she said she was too busy or 
just seemed really cold or was not engaging or didn't pull him in, that he felt really rejected and very, very hurt. She doesn't know that often because it becomes this other thing. But when she really hears that, it's, it's a breakthrough for both of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a really important part of the conversation that, that I'm wanting to bring forward more in this larger dialogue that we're having as a collective too. And that's why, you know, my mind goes to what's happening in the person when they're, when they're taking action in a way that's inappropriate and also what's happening in the people around us when we are really in our own process. Um, and can we, can we be in our own process and do our own healing work and at the same time be in awareness of, of our family, of our community and how we're all sort of playing off of each other and, and affecting one another in that space. I think it's a really important part of the, part of the dialogue. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely. Yeah. Because this is not a unilateral thing. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about, connecting about actually being energetically connected physically connected uh, lovingly beautifully connected and um yeah it's not it's i mean there's certainly sexual experiences that happen alone and i like i'm a huge proponent of self-pleasuring and mm -hmm. and you know self-care but that is not what we're talking about right now we're talking about two people who want to to like reconnect intimately and you know maybe there's been some kind of um maybe there's been some kind of connection with another person, a third person or, or someone else like an, uh, what we call an infidelity, an affair, um, either emotional or physical affair. Maybe that's part of the story. And how do you build trust there? And that's happened so often. Yeah. Then there's a lot of blame and shame that happens. I mean, these pieces are huge and they, they impact so many people, so many millions of people in, in our world right now, today. So many people listening to this will have experienced that and not know how to go forward, you know? And so what, what would you say if there's someone listening to this and they've, they've experienced either they themselves have, um, you know, had an affair or, you know, whether it be physical or emotional or they've, that's just present in their relationship, what would you say to them? What's one of the first steps towards, towards healing that? Yeah, so I can speak to this from personal experience. I actually, in I've been married twice. Um, my first marriage lasted only a couple of years. I was in my 20s, and there were a lot of affairs on in that marriage. Um, my former husband had a lot of other women, and it was really painful for me. And then um, I came into this marriage, and I've been in this marriage, you know, 30 plus years, and. I experienced um, some really challenging times in 2009. I had become super mom and I ended up being so connected to my children and my process of parenting that I even at one point, Tatiana, uh, bought the dress. It was a purple dress with floral print that matched the clothing of my children. <laughs> it's kind of horrifying when I think about it now, but I was so enmeshed. <laughs> Seemed like a good idea at the time, man. I don't know. It's I got to find the photo. It's somewhere. <laughs> and I wore it to a wedding with my kids. You know, I was just like cookie cutter mom. And I had so many, I mean, I was like all over that baby. I was just like, I was the, 
the paper mache head making mom for Halloween. I mean, it was it, the whole thing. Okay. Everything. I was there because I, you know, I, I, you know, I was just so into it. So anyway, long story short, this, it worked great for a while. And then as things would have it, when you live an imbalanced life, it doesn't work that well. And I became kind of, uh, irritable and resentful because my husband had this great job. He would go off to work and have coworkers and I was home, you know, feeling kind of ripped off and energetically in that level one space that we talked before, talked about coming up to level two, being pissed off, then back to level one, Mm -hmm. never really getting over the line. So um, he was at work and there was this woman there who was real nice and she was helpful and sweet and not annoyed all the time. And they did get connected in a way that was, well, first of all, it was a wake-up call for me and absolutely devastating for me. They, they didn't have what we would call a physical affair, uh, but it didn't matter because there was sexual energy in the, in the connection that they had. So whether it was you know, a naked thing or not, it didn't matter to me, really. I mean, I just felt so... Um, like devastated by that because we had had he and I had had this fantastically sexy hot relationship forever I felt invincible in that relationship and and I knew he loved me very much I loved him very much so I went on a journey just the journey we're talking about of like self-discovery and and kind of really looking at like like who how am I showing up here in this relationship, not just as a mom or as a you know a business owner, because I also had a business at that time, but in this relationship, and that's that took a lot of uh, it took a lot of it was it was painful. It was um, it was it was it included a lot of dearmoring. It included a lot of looking at how to be a sexual person and a mother. You know how to mm-hmm. bring those pieces together. So that's some of what I do with people is helping. And, and it took forgiveness because I was very angry. And it also took me hearing from him, like, what, how has it been to be in relationship with somebody who chooses to wear a purple floral dress to a wedding? I mean, what's that feel like? And so we, we recreated what we wanted to have happen and actually created more intimacy and connection um, than we ever thought possible, but it came out of pain. And often it does. And and kudos to you for doing the work, though. I think that's really, I really believe at this point in my journey that we can overcome anything if we're willing to do that work. And and you you did some of that really hard work of looking at like, instead of falling into victim role, I mean, I'm sure you went back and forth in and out of that, um, as you know, you, you explained, you were in the level one, level two and, and back and forth. Um, but to really be willing to look at maybe there's something that I could shift and that I could change that would have a really beneficial impact on my relationship here. I mean, that's, I think a lot of people never get there. Um, and yet that's, that's really where we need to go if we want to be transforming our relationships. And, and thank you for doing that work. And thank you for helping other people to do that work because it's so important. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a journey. And that I started the journey. I actually had the honor of studying at that time from coming out of that, studying sex in the most 
wonderfully sexy and fantastically interesting places in the world like Amsterdam and um, Los Angeles and San Francisco and Las Vegas and just all these interesting places and learning from some of the most interesting sex experts in the world and then, you know, and traveling and um, kind of like releasing my whole shield of motherhood and realizing, you know, I don't have to be that mother to still be an awesome mother. I can, and, and actually I'm a better mother because I'm whole and yeah. I'm not irritated all the time. Oh my God, that is so important. And I think we, I think oftentimes as moms, we can really get wrapped up in that space and, and get totally involved in our children. And, and, and part of it, you know, it's hard when we don't necessarily see models around us, like everything in, in, in media is aimed at the maiden, right? The pre maternal phase of life. And so it's like, if you're going to be sexy, you have to be in that pre maternal phase. And then what happens after you become a mom, like there's no longer any sexy in there. And I think this is a story that culturally we really need to be rewriting. Yeah, I, I yeah, I am solely so in a complete agreement agreement with you on that. I completely agree. That's what we've been lied to about. Yeah, when like I I don't know about for you, but for me, like I've had the best sex of my life since becoming a mom. I mean, my my sex life has has transcended anything I ever thought was possible. I thought I was having great sex before before I became a mom. But after motherhood, it's been like, whoa, oh my gosh, the doors and the channels like got opened up in that process. And, and I like, we need to be talking about that more. We need to be sharing that with our daughters and with our fellow women and with the maidens of like, hey, this is possible. And it's amazing and, and juicy and wonderful after having kids. Yep, I totally agree. And as we age too, I mean, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, Jane, I just want to thank you so much for, for taking the time out of your day to be on this show today. I feel like it's just such a beautiful connection with you and like we could talk for hours and <laughs> I would love to do that. And I also just want to be respectful of your time and, and thank you so much. I feel like you've shared just such beautiful gold with us today and such wonderful wisdom. And again, if, if there are listeners out there who are wanting to connect with Dr. Jane, you can find her at janegwyn.com. That's J-A-N-E-G-U-Y-N.com. And um, will you give us that phone number again for, for the book if people want a copy of your book? You bet. It's 541-444-0112. And then they send you a text message with their email address and you will email them a downloadable copy. Is that correct? Yep. Name and email to that number. And, or you can contact me on my own email address, jane at janegwyn.com. If anyone on this call would like to get on the phone with me, I would be honored to share a time with you to have what I refer to as a lover's journey discovery call. Mm, beautiful. Completely complimentary to you, to our listeners. So I'd love to do that. If you just email me, jane at janegwyn.com. Thank you so much for, for that giveaway. And to all those listening today, um, thank you so much. And until next time, go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Many blessings. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.